We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Andy Liu, the Warriors are the NBA champions of 2021. <laughs> uh, that was a fun game, man. That was, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought it was going to be a blowout in the first uh, first 10 to 15 minutes because the Lakers are obviously the best team in the league. But uh, yeah, you got to credit the Warriors there for some resilience, right? I got to credit the Warriors bench is what I'm going to do, Sam. I'm going to credit the Warriors bench for playing extremely hard, just going right downhill against every single defender, just not being scared out there, not making mistakes. If they make mistakes, playing through it, right? I also feel like I'm a lot angrier than you during the games. I'm just very angry. I'm just very annoyed. And then you're just the, the, the difference fine. The difference between you and me is I'm angry 24-7. So there's no, like, there's no ebb and flow for me. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, you're in a good mood at 2 in the afternoon. I'm angry at her. So that's the difference between you and me. (laughs) I was annoyed tonight, man. It was, you know, we didn't expect the Warriors to win. We we talked about it last podcast. But, like, I wanted to see some difference between the way they've played previously and tonight. And there was really no difference. I mean, like, Sam, was there really a difference even though they won this basketball game? Great win extremely fun but I don't know like the differences that that they play I don't know what happened outside of Steph hitting that uh hitting that really fun three-pointer over AD but man no no, there wasn't a a massive difference some players played better but it was the same schematic thing we've seen in the past um I guess we should start with that like my you know so the the number one take I have from this game is the, the first unit versus the second unit stuff still lives and it really doesn't matter 
who's in it. Like, <laughs> that's kind of what's annoying about it at this point. It's like we, we saw the, again, the Clippers a couple of weeks ago when um, they ran Steph with the second unit and they just destroyed the Clippers. Uh, but this tonight they didn't do that, but they still, the second unit was where all the energy came from. That's where all the, you know, if you look at plus minus or anything, it's going to show that's where all the momentum for the Warriors came from and kind of where they, where they stepped away at the lead. Yeah. I mean, p- partly too, is like the Lakers second unit. They got Trez playing, you know, they got Trez in there. Right. He, and LeBron's coasting. LeBron's not, I don't think LeBron moved today. Same with they. I don't think those guys actually moved so you can score on those guys. But again, why, why can't the starting unit do that? Right. And it's like a lot of times, like you watch Eric Paschal, like there's no player on the roster right now for the Warriors that just literally puts his head down and makes a play like Eric Paschal and just, just shoots the ball. If he gets blocked, he gets blocked. Somehow he never gets blocked. Right. And he just goes up right at the rim and just he doesn't shy away from contact. And there's just no fear. Same with Ken Bazemore. Bazemore's always doing dumb stuff, but he's not, he's fearless. Right. Kelly Oubre now, he's on the second unit. He's a definition of fearless. So I think that's the type of stuff where it's the difference between them and the starting unit where you see Wiseman, who's just <laughs> Wiseman's down bad. <laughs> James Wiseman is down very bad. Draymond Green, right, doesn't want to shoot uh, outside of the last minute of the game, right? And then, then Steph's hesitating. So I think that's a huge difference, man. Like you're saying, energy and just, just aggressive. They're not scared. So, so to me, there's a, two, there's a major schematic difference between the two. And you're hitting it like the, the broad point, which is they play fearless. But like the second unit, I tweeted this out during the game. The first unit looks like some Kurt Rambis BS. And the second unit looks like Nelly Ball. Like they play faster, they shoot it. Pascal at small ball five is probably the best thing this coaching staff has done all year. I mean, it's been, I don't know how far they can get away with it, to be honest with you, because he's, he's really small, but like, it's a matchup nightmare. It just is. And you might as well ride it until you can't. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where I just watched the second unit and it's like, it's Pascal, it's Wiggins or tonight it's Ubre at the floor. Um, You got Damian Lee, who's a, who's a legit shooter. You got Wanamaker who can shoot it a little bit and can definitely pass the ball a little bit. And then you got, um, you know, th- there was a little Jordan Poole, there's a little Kent Baysmore, whatever. Don't say Jordan Poole. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, keep going, he, keep going. Keep he, going. He, he certainly got minutes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of, um, you know, it was just, it was faster. It was smaller. It was faster. It was, there was more pace and space. And to me, I mean, at some point we can have an honest conversation about this roster. I don't think it's a particularly great roster, but they do have Steph Curry. They do have a few players. They have Draymond Green. And you play pace and space, you can steal a lot more wins than if you're trying to do something more traditional. Uh, They stole this one. It felt like the Clippers game a little bit. The Clippers game had the Steph show, though. Um, This one, yeah, this one was just a weird... Like, they, I've watched a lot of Clippers games more than I've watched Lakers games this season. And Clippers have felt to me like a team that's played pretty hard. Um, right. they, always, they jump out the leads, and, and maybe they'll blow it, but they've played relatively hard. The Lakers just feel like – Sam, it feels like the 2017-18 Warriors where these guys oh, – they've, they've been coasting all. Yeah, they've been all coasting year. all season. I mean, yeah, I've watched maybe four games, and it's, it looks about right, right? Like, these guys are – AD, to me, looked like he didn't want to be out there today. Um, I was just like, I don't even know why LeBron played tonight. You come out here and you you push out a I guess it's MOK day, but yeah, right? Like that. So it was a different type of game, and I think they just they got hit in the face, and then they just kind of couldn't recover uh, when they realized they couldn't coast to a win. 
Yeah. So, so let's, let's get to the Warriors real quick on this one then. Um, so the, the, for me, the story of the game was Eric Pascal or Kelly Oubre. Those are probably the two. We'll talk about both of them. So Pascal, eight for 11. Um, at this point, I think we have to just acknowledge that like he's a mis- mismatch nightmare against centers. Like him versus Trez was pretty funny because they're kind of doing the same thing, right? Yep. Yep. Like neither of them are really defending. Uh, Pascal had, uh, you know, he had that one steal on the perimeter and he'll do some occasional stuff, but like there's realities to having a six, six center. Um, and you know, Trez is kind of similar. Trez will deflect some balls here or there. But if like, you look at their stat lines, it's also hilarious. Cause it's, it's like the same yeah, thing. It's, it's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. I mean, I mean, Pascal was eight for 11. Trez was seven for eight. They both are just like, get me that ISO at the elbow and I'm, <laughs> I'm scoring it's over. Right. So um, that that was the one thing, but for, but for me, I guess the bigger story of the night it was Kelly Oubre finally playing up to the potential of the player that you know we kind of thought the Warriors were acquiring, who had like a nightmare start. And I think you mentioned it earlier. Um, the, the the big thing that I think got him going was they played him at backup power forward tonight. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it's not. It's like the Harrison Barnes – I almost want to call it the Harrison Barnes rule where one guy is just going to be so much more effective than when you try to pigeonhole him into another, into another position that at some point you're just going to have to play him there. Like to see for, it, it should be obvious that he should be playing that. Actually, I saw you tweet that. And it was just – it's just – I actually think he's better off the bench than, than Andrew Wiggins because I think Andrew Wiggins does a little bit too much dancing and he's probably better with someone like Steph. Right. Um, a little bit too much. And also, Ubre, also, also Ubre just always has energy. Yeah. So that's perfect for the bench. Ubre and Pascal to, together is literally the funniest. Like, it's just, it's comedy. Because you got one guy that's just screaming 24-7. Then you got the other guy that's blowing kisses or doing, like, goal line, like, NFL. You know how NFL players always point one way when a fumble happens? Like, he's doing that shit. <laughs> first, the first down. Oh, the first down. Sorry. <laughs> he's always doing the first down, pointing the other way. Like, it's just – but that's the type of fun stuff that you need, right? Like, that's the joy stuff. Same with Ken Bazemore, who's Change, – It changes fun. the momentum of a game. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think Ubre is also when, – when he's playing the four, like you said, he really only does two things. Like, his, his route tree, the NBA version of a route tree is just – Literally, I go to the hole, which is what he did at the end of the game. Took yeah. it right to LeBron for a layup, right hand, which is weird. Or just shoot a three. Right? That's it. That's it. And he's extremely effective doing it. I'm mean, only two for eight from three today, but we saw what we saw. Versus when he's in the starting lineup and he has to cut when Steph is cutting or rolling through the three, like that type of stuff, right? So a lot easier when he's playing the four and on the bench. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, like, it's not so much about him playing the four or playing the three. It's, it's what you were saying. It's about making reads. When you're playing the four in the second unit next to Pascal, your reads are pretty simple. It's spot up or, or cut to the rim, right? So for, for him, I, I don't think you want him getting dribble handoffs and having to make two to three reads at the same time, right? Um. You want him or one using, read. Yes. You, you want him using his athleticism to <clears throat> slash to the rim or um, you know, basically uh, spot up or something like that. So I think simplifying the game for him goes a long way. It's also why he was successful in Phoenix. Phoenix basically used him either as a small ball four, and he's not even that small, or uh, he played the uh, three next to like, you know, Sarich or 
someone like that who's basically just a spot up for anyway. So it's it, it's about getting him to his comfort zones and then maybe you get the best out of him, which is I mean, he he does do good things. I I don't think the Warriors they definitely don't win tonight, but like there's multiple games this year where his energy becomes infectious. And it's not just his energy, it's it's Bazemore's energy, it's Pascal's energy. I mean, we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, but it's like so this might not be the most talented team in the league, right? Like clay goes down. That's 30% of your cap. That's going to hurt your ability to be talented. Right. Um, and maybe they haven't made the greatest moves in the margins. Maybe, you know, they could have done better than Brad Wanamaker. Sure. Sure. And um, he was good tonight. And uh, smile each and Jordan Poole and Jacob Evans. And, you know, we've, we've probably put about 500 hours of uh, podcast. We do baby Malcolm Gladwell, (laughs) baby. We perfected it. We perfected it. (laughs) But but, but, but but you can get away with um, energy through the season. I mean, the Warriors are now seven and six. I don't think they're seven and six if you replace Bazemore and Ubre with comparable players who are a little more passive than that, right? Like they're probably five and eight, right? Or veterans. Probably, no, veterans, veterans. Like if you, com- if, you, if you take them away and put in like Andre Godala, it's not comparable. Andre Godala is probably still better at this day and age. Yeah, of course. But Andre Godala is not giving you 37 energy minutes like what Kelly Oubre did today right like he's not doing that in a freaking mid-January game against the LA no, Lakers no. so so exactly Andre, Andre is calling it a night and, and trying to rest his back for his morning tea time as he should as he should yeah the morning tea time. uh as he should he's playing Tory Pines tomorrow um like he's he's not he's not the only one on this um so that that's a game that they steal like would you say that's a game, game that they steal because they're a younger team with more energy like to me it doesn't feel like this was a game that Steph was like they won because of Steph like there's a lot of stuff that Steph did well but this wasn't a game they won because of Steph this was a game that they won because Eric Pascal, Oubre uh Andrew Wiggins was very solid tonight uh defensively as well like this is a game Brad Wanamaker 17 missed Damian Lee hit a three like these are the guys that play plus plus minus wise were all pluses off the bench and I think that's the that's the reason why they won it it, it it's it's just a little weird and concerning is it concerning actually let me ask you is it concerning because that was one of the worst Steph games we've seen this season outside of that one shot I mean there there are concerns to be had I actually want to Tip you want, you want to go somewhere else? I want to tip my attention to the Steve Kerr quote that I just got. Oh, God. Steve Kerr said he decided to flip Wiggins and Ubre in the rotation the last couple of days to get Ubre into the second unit. Maybe activate him, get him more aggressive, get him more involved. Said he'll do it again next game. So this is what we were just talking about uh, a few minutes ago, which was the the last uh, or the early part of the season, they'd been using Wiggins as a small ball four with the the second unit, and tonight they went with Ubre, and I think it worked perfectly. I think it was exactly what Ubre needed, and I think it kind of speaks to the broader point which we've been making, which is they need to downsize a little bit. Like both Wiggins and Ubre are a little better at the four than they are at the three, which most small forwards are, uh, unless they're, you know, Kevin Durant or someone who's like just absurdly skilled, you know, like Kawhi Leonard or someone like that. Um, and you know, I just want to see how far Kerr will take it because I've been calling for Damian Lee minutes pretty aggressively for a while now. And to me, that's kind of what we're seeing here. It's like get Damian Lee in there, maybe get Mulder in there a little more, get another shooter 
put Uber and Wiggins in positions where they're more comfortable and just ride it. Like it, Sam, it it's, is been what, thir- it's been 13 games. Give them <laughs> seven more. Relax. Relax. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Damian Lee stuff was, was, was pretty funny. He still only played 18 minutes tonight. Plus 10. Yeah. I can't really figure that one out other than, you know, it's, it's a little bit of stubbornness, but Damian Lee again, plus 10, 18 minutes. Didn't shoot the ball well, but he moves off the ball well, and he takes defenders with him. So you might as well ride it. Um, back to your point on Steph. No, I don't think he had a particularly great game. I do think he got to the hole when he needed to, but like a lot of Steph's, if he's not going to, he needs to be five for 12, not three for 12 from three, right? It's like sometimes it's that simple. I, it it is, but it also so there's nothing physical. I don't think that's wrong with him. Um, it, it, he looks fine. Like he looks like the same old stuff we've seen. The issue is now that he's played 13 games against these types of defenses, and he's gonna see. Oh my God, my math is terrible. 59 more of these <laughs> of these games, right? I think he's starting to see ghosts when he shouldn't, and I think he's expecting these guys to just always be in places. Uh, even when those guys aren't like he's pump faking against, uh, he gets by out. There was a two possession where he go, blows by Caruso and he just kind of stops at the free throw line, tries to draw a foul because I think he's probably scared someone's behind him. Um, and then he doesn't want to finish at the rim because there's Anthony Davis there or someone else there. Right. Uh, and then the next possession, uh, he just, he, he's just kind of lost. He's just kind of lost. He pump fakes again and he hesitates and then he doesn't even get a shot off and he ends up just passing it. I'm just, at this point, it doesn't feel like there's anything he needs like to change in terms of like his 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 physical, the way he's like the the what he's thinking about. Sorry, like the physical, the way he's moving, but it's more what he's thinking about. That's the problem. It's like it's just just shoot the ball, right? It's just shoot the ball. What's the worst that can happen? And I think the issue is he's just been used to playing the type of way that he's played for so long. And it's been so freaking successful that he doesn't want to shoot guys out of games the role players and and i think i don't know i don't know how long it's going to take for him to get maybe a little bit more out of that mindset sam but you can't have the amount of hesitations that he had tonight and really the last couple games so i i do agree with you and i think the fact that they're still you know chugging along above 500 right now at seven and six it's allowing him to experiment a little with it instead of play with that aggression that we think you know he should play with, with that 62 point aggression with that, you know, I'm coming out and getting mine first and you guys fall into line. Uh, I also don't know if that's Steph, is it? Like, I know Steve Kerr doesn't want him to do that, but at this point, I mean, he's staying the course until, I guess until they get into a hole, right? That's, there's no other way around it. I, I agree. Yeah. With I think he needs to be a little more aggressive. I don't I just don't think he's going to. Yeah, uh, I, I guess we can always belabor this point nonstop, but it's just the hesitations are killing me. It, they're killing me. The off the ball stuff, I, I, I like sort of understand where he's just, he's just, he's just always going to be that guy. I, I don't expect that to change. He's going to want someone to bring him the ball up. He wants to get people involved and he gets his, right? It's the, I blow by someone or I get an open shot off the screen, but I feel like I take another dribble and then pass it again stuff where, I don't know. Maybe he'll figure it out. He was three for 12 from three today. Uh, the good is that he had an N one against AD right to the rim in crunch time, right? Three right. point play. Then he has a, um, the between the legs, double behind the back, pulls up from like three feet behind the three and makes it. So 
those are the that's the stuff where you're just like, well, shit. I mean, that's one of the best closers in the NBA. I mean, that guy's close NBA finals game. So, like, that's that's the stuff that I was, I was told he couldn't close games, but you know, um, <laughs> he closed that baby out. So, you know, he still got it. It's just uh, the hesitations are killing me, Sam. I got, I got, I got a, time. I got a stat for you. This is uh, this will take us in the second direction we were discussing. So, Wiseman on the court with oh boy. Draymond and Steph, minus fourteen point three. Steph and Draymond without Wiseman on the court, plus 21. Oh, boy. What do we make of that? Uh, I remember when I was in high school and I had to play against, like, SI and SH. You know, and some of these teams that were just had people that were, like, D1 players that were going to play in college. And I was, you know, like, 5'10", like a scrawny Chinese kid. Uh, That's what James Wiseman looks like right now, except for James Wiseman 7'1". But he looks petrified out there. He looks petrified. I don't think he has any idea what he's doing offensively or defensively. I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the guy. But Sam, can you bench him? Can, can you no, can you no, bench no, no, him? No. no. Can you, well, can you bench him as in like you play him in the second unit? But then but then you play him in the second unit with Pascal and Ubre, and like that kills the second unit too, right? Like that just absolutely destroys the the benefits of having uh, Pascal as a small ball five. So I I'm not sure what you do. Maybe you just you start Looney. Looney was good tonight. He made a three. I was going to say, this is why I keep uh, pushing for Damian Lee. Um, To me, the starting lineup just doesn't have enough shooting. And if Wiseman isn't going to take threes and he's not the shooter that we were hoping he was going to be, and, you know, that that, that may take a while. Like, I don't know why he's not trying. But with with that said, you know, he's a rookie and he's 19 and he played three college games, which Fitz lets us know every night. And, um, you know, Wait, actually, it, Reggie Miller let us know tonight, too, by the way. Yeah, Reg, the Reggie let us know, too. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure if we get Chris Weber next game, he'll let us know, too. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the process for him. I, all I'm saying is try to make it easier on the guy by putting a little more shooting out there. Uh, because I do feel like if you get him in a lineup with Steph, and obviously Clay would be ideal, but um, get him in a lineup with a couple more shooters out there, maybe it's. Uh, it's a less less convoluted, makes the reads easier for him, and it's a little more successful. Yeah, um, yeah, he's playing against a tough team. He's playing against very tough players, not just AD tonight, not just LeBron, not just. I mean, Marcus Hall's a you know borderline Hall of Famer, just a great yeah. player, yeah. smart guy. Shoot, shooter is a quick guard that you just can't just stay in front of, like in your first game. And then and then you know, Miles Turner and Sabonis, like these aren't scrubs. Like if he was pay- playing the Kings every night, I think Wiseman would look okay. You know, I think he could be able to go coast to coast. But I- I'm with you if you're not if you're not going to uh, if you're not going to bench the guy, which I don't think they're going to bench the guy. They're not going to send him anywhere. Then you try to put more shooting around, and you try to make life a little bit easier. So, so how do you process this? Because like we, we, we've seen the light years listeners and general warrior fans kind of like they're having a hard time dealing with the fact that the, this right. team is, um, is not competing, but they're not bottoming out at the same time. So it's like they're trying to develop Wiseman, but at the same time you watch Steph Curry, even you watch Draymond Green, you're like, they're not garbage. They're still very much in their prime. And it feels I- weird. To like, you know, I mean, you just don't usually see a player of Wiseman's potential on a team with a player of Steph's ability this prime, right? Yes. And when he showed flashes, it was against the lower tier teams in the NBA. Sam, this is who he's played against in the past like couple weeks here. He's played against the Clippers, the Raptors, wasn't bad, the Pacers, Nikola Jokic, 
and then that was Damon CJ before that. Sorry, let me not let me not even bring right, that right. up. And then, and then he would have played Chris Paul and Aiton. And then he played the Lakers tonight. And this is who he's playing next. He's playing the Spurs. He's playing the Knicks. He's playing Utah, okay. He's playing Minnesota. He's playing Detroit. He's like, he's playing. It's going to be easier for him moving forward. I don't think there's anything the Warriors are going to fix this, that Steve Kerr is going to fix this with, as much as I would love to slander Steve Kerr. I'm 100% with you. Um, and what Steve Kerr realized today, finally, is that you bench Ubre or at least you play Ubre less. Maybe you play him four minutes with the first unit and then bring Lee in. Like, that would be probably the best way. You just kind of do, like, hockey subs or, like, just quick subs and just three minutes, like, <laughs> just take the guy out, Lee in, put Ubre back in with the second unit or, like, that type of stuff. So, I, like, that, that's about it because you can't play Wiseman off the bench. You can't play him in the second unit. So, um, and he's going to play – he's going to look better against worse teams. It's just how it is, man. Like, I don't know. He's fucking 19. He's not going to play well against Nikola Jokic. I'm sorry. You know who also doesn't play well against Nikola Jokic? AD defensively couldn't guard the guy. And there wasn't conference finals, so I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you're right. And that's kind of something you just have to come to grips with. It's it's a little – It's ugly. It's weird, yeah. So it's why I, I would hope they'd make it easier for him. Um, do we want to – go to a read or do yep. we want to talk about Perkins? We got to, oh, before we get to the great Kendrick P, we got a new one. Sam, we got a new sponsor this week. I Ooh. hope you are all, yeah, non-NFL version. Ooh, I'm kind of excited. I hope you are all sitting down because we have something to tell you. We have to tell you something monumental. We love sports betting. Yeah, I saw Sam actually betting the live action uh, in the second, third, and fourth quarter like a sick fuck. Uh, and whether you've been betting for a while or you've been thinking about getting started, we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an, and with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. So when you sign up for a Pro subscription, you We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages of every game. And you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. Ooh. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking at BetSmarter, Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now. Receive 50% off an annual subscription 
when you use the code light years. This offer won't last. So go to the actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code light years to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Nice. All right. We got, we, we got a couple things to do before we get out of here. So first, we got a, we got a bunch of questions to get to. We'll get to those in a minute. But um, friend of the show, Kendrick Perkins, tweeted, The revenge against Steph Tour continues. Team's been waiting to catch him in a dark alley by himself. Lakers up next. Laughing face emoji times three. Carry on. <sighs> I think it's important we address this because, you know, while uh, Warrior fans may not love Perk all the time, I think he's speaking to a real sentiment that exists, which is kind of why you and I bring up the points we do all the time, which is there's, there's a lot of envy and there's a lot of uh, disbelief in how good Steph is among a certain class of NBA player. That is visceral hatred, though. Like, we're talking about violence. Like, that's weird, man. Dark remember, alley. Dark it's alley. Ve- it's very weird. Get him in the dark alley and beat him up, Ernie. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, like, I get it. It's a joke. Like, I get it. It's all fun. He's a little bit of a troll. Like, he just goes out there. He's a, he's a clutch guy, right? He's all of that. But it's a weird tweet. And it, it reminds me of what people used to say when the Warriors were at the peak of their powers. And the way to stop Steph would just be to hit him, right? Like, right. this is how you start Steph. You rough him up, right? Like, you hit him off the ball. You know, you punch the guy. He can't handle it. He's soft. Right, which is something you will never say about, like, let's say, for example, Russell Westbrook, which right. actually Marcus Thompson came on the pod and talked about it once. If you actually hit Russ, it's actually a little bit easier to get under his skin than Steph. You can't get under Steph's skin. With Russ, you could probably get a tech on him after that. So it reminds me of that, Sam. It's just weird, man. It's weird. And like you said, there are a lot of NBA players out there that feel like they've gotten their shine taken away by someone like Steph Curry. And look, man, we're like five years from that now, and it still hurts. Pretty funny. Yeah, it's, I mean, on some level, the podcast was created by uh, wanting to respond to people who who said that, like, I threw out a uh, semi-facetious tweet where I was like, ah, KD, is it is it okay to say KD might be the best player in the NBA or are people going to start telling me how that one guy in LA has no help again? 
And, you know, my whole point was just to kind of make fun of the whole discourse because KD has been out of his mind. Like, I'm not even really comprehending how KD's playing at this level off of an Achilles tear. He looks and the same as he did at the I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, it's how, absurd. How, yeah, how? how? Yeah. Right. And, and I mentioned the guy in LA once. And next thing you know, I get people just like, just, just foaming at the mouth that like, I would even insinuate that anyone could be at that level. And it reminds me so much of, you know, Steph's rise. As soon as Steph became a threat, it became a conversation about everything but basketball. It could never be a conversation about what that guy does better than Steph on the basketball court or how he might affect winning more than basketball. It has to be about how he does more philanthropy, how he has more power off the court, how he is stronger, how all these things. And I'm just sitting here going like, it's, it's just toxic, right? It just all leads back to a toxic discourse because like he, he, you know, he's, he's still probably the best player of a generation. Actually, you know what? You and I both agree he's the best player of the generation. Yep. It doesn't mean he's infallible. It doesn't mean yep. that there aren't seasons where other players are potentially on that level or better. And like for my money, I do think like Katie's still probably equal for him, right? At this point, like, you know, it doesn't mean he's been equal for him for 15 years, but Anyway, bringing it back to the Perkins tweet, it's just like it comes back to the point that like Steph challenged that. Steph, for a period of time, made people feel like he was on that level and he disrupted the power balance. And there were people, a lot of people uncomfortable with that. Yep. Wow, that was good. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the issue with what makes the NBA not fun. Um, and I like comparing exactly. it. To, yeah, I like comparing it to the NFL because the NFL does a great job, I think, from just a just a, a narrow view of enjoying the football game, we is have, anyone are are Brady stands and Rogers stands just trying to like devalue the other one entering this week? No, the, yeah. The, also, the thing is, there's no such thing as Brady stands. I mean, they root for the Patriots, right? Like they root for the the Packers. I mean, these guys, sure, these guys. But I'm with you. Like we've got Brady, we've got Rogers, we've got Patrick Mahomes, and we've got Josh Allen. And we've got four quarterbacks this weekend that are like, I mean, you could probably say two of the goats. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to be the greatest ever. And then you got Josh Allen, who's like, I mean, I mean he's going to finish top three in MVP. He's, <laughs> he, he, had a, he had a coming out party season for sure. Yep. And I think there's no, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any vitriol. Like there could be like, people are going to talk shit. You're going to want to beat each other up. That's kind of what the game is about. But it doesn't feel like Patrick Mahomes is going out there or Tom Brady's coming out there and saying, ooh, Patrick Mahomes is coming from my spot? Oh, right, no, right. no, 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 no. We can't have this. You know, we can't have this. We got to go on. We got to go. Got to get Sean Salisbury on first take to just shut this down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, well, we got to go. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw is going to have to come <laughs> out here and start talking shit. Like Chris Collinsworth. We're going to have to have Chris Collinsworth on NBC every Sunday talk about, you know, Patrick Mahomes is actually just, if he didn't have Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, what actually would Patrick Mahomes be, Sam? I don't know. Are you sh- he's not any better than Kirk Cousins without those guys. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> you know, exactly. That's a type of stuff that we got from the NBA for years, right, because of this. Whereas with the NFL, I think they do a good job of just Patrick Mahomes is great. Brady's great. Let's enjoy greatness. And let's kind of, like, lift, lift, uplift these guys. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and and here's, here's the other thing. I mean, now that we're on the, the Lakers-LeBron topic, are the Lakers just not fun to watch? Are they just unwatchable almost for a team that's this good? 
Yeah, but I, I don't know how long that's going to last. They just have a hangover, in my opinion. Like, I've watched more of their games probably than you, um, but they're they just they play with a hangover. I'm not I'm not particularly concerned <laughs> with them right now. <laughs> they play with a hangover. I'm not okay. I, I, like I'm just not. You want to get some questions here? Or? Yeah, let's get some questions. I, I just I I feel that way because it just there's a lot of whistles with these guys, and I think LeBron yeah. doesn't have an ex- really he doesn't really have an exciting play style anymore. LeBron doesn't. He's 36. AD doesn't really have an exciting play style to begin with. So. I don't know. I get we'll move on, but I just that's that was a weird. I just don't feel like the Lakers are that fun to watch. But we'll move on. No, they weren't. But I mean, I think Laker fans would probably be the first to tell you they were disgusted with tonight's effort. So yeah, we should have had Damon on. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it is what it is. All right, all right. No uh let's see. First question here. While I agree with some of the curse lander, why is Curry so against dominating the ball? Do you think that switch will flip? in his head at some point from Daniel Burt. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know when uh you know when Steph's uh, switch flipped was when Channing Fry got on TV and called him a call, <laughs> and said his career was done. That's when a switch flipped, you know. Warriors Twitter and 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 the Warriors fans are not going to get Steph uh, aggressive. I don't think so. Like him losing a few games here is not going to get Steph to start getting the uh, start handling the ball nonstop like James Harden or even striking a good balance. It's going to take. I mean, who's next, Sam? Who's who's the next ex player to call uh, Steph a scrub? I don't know. Uh, Richard Jefferson. Maybe he'll come out here and start calling Steph a scrub, and then Steph will show up. So or play that way you want. To. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's happening. All right, from Javin. I've seen a lot of Wiseman hate criticism lately. I was wondering. Uh, is it warranted considering the team's status? I understand his basic problems, such as his hands, awareness, and just the fact that he's still a 19-year-old rookie with little experience coming into the season. I, I'm watching a clip right now, or at least a clip popped up, of James Wiseman getting told by Draymond what to do with Marcus Gasol. Uh, I think Draymond Green is probably the most important thing to James Wiseman's development right now. Because if you're talking about development perspective, there's Draymond's actually uplifting the guy, at least from the quotes that we've seen and telling right. him how great you can be. And it, through the media saying how great he can be um, versus kind of drilling into him, which is what Draymond tends to do with some players that can't handle it. So I do find that fascinating. And I think it will help long-term. I mean, right now, I mean, what can you do? There was a pass that Steph made today through a double team and just chucked it at Wiseman. The pass was a little fast, but man, like Wiseman had no chance of catching that thing, right? Like zero chance. So um, I think you just got to sit through the pain. Sometimes you just got to sit through the pain, man. Look, <laughs> I, I, get the, I get the Warriors fans. Warrior, we've been great. You know, we've had a great run at it for five, six seasons. But Sam, you're a little bit older than me. I've had some shitty seasons watching this team too. Sometimes you just got to sit through watching – a shitty, uh, a, a high potential player go through a shitty. Uh, uh, I'm with you. It's. I mean, I, I'm not too impatient with him. It's just. It is what it is. He's a 19 year old rookie. Um, you know, it's going to take him time. That's. That's. I find awesome. it surprising that you're so patient with him. I do find it surprising. I I have patience with people who deserve patience. Like I, I don't understand why we should not afford him patience, but I also don't understand why, you know, certain players don't get opportunities, let's say on the perimeter, like Damian Lee when they're balling out and they deserve it. So anyway, that's a different question. All right. From unbiased dubs fan. 
what do you think of moving Wiseman to the bench and making him earn the starting spot? Okay, so this ties – there's like four other Wiseman questions. I'm going to end it here with this one. Do you think they should move Wiseman to the bench? Yeah, you can – I don't want to say you can't, but – well, first off, are you starting Looney or are you starting Damian Lee? Both players are probably better than Wiseman right now anyway. Well, they are. Um, I don't think you can. I think if you – Wiseman is in like that Zaza role. Right, where if you bench the guy, he shouldn't be playing. He he right. doesn't fit on the bench. He doesn't fit off the bench. It's not that he can't play on it because maybe if you sit Pascal, he may be able to, but you can't. And maybe you take him out earlier. Maybe you play him shorter spurts. I think would probably be the best way. Like you play him three, four minutes at a time. You have him play as hard as he can, not worry about fouls. Because a lot of times when he's worried about fouls, he's actually fouling or just giving up wide open layups. So maybe maybe that's the best way, Sam. But I think if you're gonna sit, if you're gonna start him off the bench and like play him in that like loony role where he comes in a little bit later, I don't think he can. I don't think he can do that. I don't, I don't think he's good enough to play in that with those guys, and he's just gonna end up not playing the entire game. Which what I, what I want to see, what I want to see is simplifying his role. Like there was a Steve Kerr quote before the game about like I'm not opposed to him shooting threes. I just want to be more aggressive, and. Um, and to me, it's, you know, I, I think he should be shooting threes. I think they should really be simplifying his role, be like spot up or roll hard. Don't concern yourself with anything else. Like we don't need the ball in his hands, making decisions. We don't need him trying to figure out how to pass out of the pinch post. Like he's Andrew Bogut. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, I think it would be better beneficial for him to just have a simplified role. And I don't really care if it's as a starter or a bench player. Uh, gun to my head, I would say it's probably better if he starts. But there's a lot of – when I watch the Warriors, I, I do see – and this might fall on Stefan Draymond somewhat, where they want him to be able to play the style of ball they want to play as opposed to the style of ball he's capable of playing. And I just want to see him I mean, just simplify the role spot up, shoot the ball, or run hard and dunk the ball. I don't need you to do more than that. Uh, he's had – and I think, he, I think they tried to do that offensively a little bit. You can see him try to get him some, some, some touches out of the timeouts or out of halves. I think defensively is a huge problem. They started the game today giving up about 26 straight possessions of points. Uh, and – it just felt like these guys still have no idea how to play with each other defensively, right? As great as Draymond is, as energetic as Oubre is, like as solid as Wiggins is defensively, as smart as Steph is, like I think this is just a five that just can't play defense together right now at right. all, um, especially to start a basketball game. And I think a lot of that is on Wiseman because how the hell is he, suppo- how the- <laughs> how the hell is he supposed to guard the best team's player to start a game? Um, not only with guys like LeBron James, you know, he's going to pump fake. He's going to drive by you. Dennis Schroeder, who's just way too quick for him, right? Then you got Marcus Saul, who's got like 18 different tricks in the post. Like, and it sucks. It sucks. So I, he, he looks like he's miserable too. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to end it this way, Sam, though. But uh, I just look at the kid and I'm just like, man, it's just. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go one more question because we're yeah let's do a fun one yeah let's do an optimistic one. Um, what do you think about Wiggins and Curry and Ubre with the bench versus what we what we've been in the opposite? Wiggins starts slow, 
but picked up later. Obviously hard to judge off the outlier game. Um, hmm. He's saying he's saying he wants Wiggins, Ubre, and Steph in the second unit. I think so. Okay. I'm I curious. Saying, how- I think he's saying. Um, I think the question is just mixing and matching the lineup. Like, let's take this a different direction. Yeah. Should the Warriors be doing more mixing and matching? Because the starting at this point, like the biggest talking point with the Warriors season is the starting unit is disgusting, and the second unit is sneaky good, right? Should they be doing more mixing and matching, or should Kerr stick with this and be like, I'm going to make the starting lineup work, and I'm going to ride the second unit advantage? Well, we know what Steve is going to (laughs) do. We know what Steve is going to do. What we want him to do, I think, is as simple as you've said. Take Ubre out, start Damian Lee. And I think you solve so many things. I think you saw not just offensively, not just because he can shoot, but because Damian Lee probably knows where he needs to be in terms of help defense way more than Kelly Ubre. Kelly Ubre, fun as hell on the ball. Fun as hell. But he's as clueless as anybody else in terms of a losing player when he's playing off the ball, right? So Damian Lee at least fixes that and makes life a little bit easier. And I think that's the easiest, that's the easiest fix. It's, it's a Band-Aid maybe, but it's the easiest fix and, and normalizes or, or balances a lot of things. I just, we just know Steve is probably not going to do that. 18 minutes tonight. Ugh. Ugh. Classic. Yeah. All right. So we'll call it a night here on the pod. Huge win against the Lakers. Um, they got the Spurs on Wednesday, right? Is that right? Here, by the way, here comes a good stretch. Uh, yes, they do have the Spurs. They have a back-to-back. They have the Spurs and then the Knicks. They have a great stretch of games, the, the Warriors do, where they can essentially put a real dent um, in the schedule and get a bunch of wins. And I think that's what, that's what Steph was uh, saying postgame. He said, hey, we've got a chance to really put a roll, like get into a rhythm and roll through some games because if they do it the right way, like there is a shot that they go counting this game to the next 10, they should win six of them. And I think that puts them in a good spot uh, moving forward for the second half of the season. So good win all in all. Um, I think one of the the maybe not as not, not one of the best games the Warriors played this season. Got to win against defending champs. I mean, fuck. <laughs> what else can you ask for? You're gonna take it. Yeah, big win. Um, you know, that's all we can ask for. They they look like a work in the progress. They're not particularly great at this point, but hey, they're they're picking up wins. That's what matters. Yep. <laughs>